friends. It's Ann West, Executive Director of the Island Health and Wellness Foundation, and we are back with another episode of the Just for the Health of It podcast. The following is a conversation that I had with Joe Cooper. Joe retired last year after 20 years as the founding Executive Director of Friends in Action. Currently, Joe is a consultant and project manager of a Maine Health Access Foundation grant project titled Transportation Equity for Healthy Aging. As usual, nothing that Joe and I say today is intended to serve as any sort of medical or healthcare advice. It's just for educational purposes, and hopefully, because it's Joe, we'll have a little fun along the way. So welcome, Joe. I am so excited to interview you again, but this time in your new (laughs) role. Can you start out by telling my listeners why are volunteer transportation programs important to the health of Maine communities? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Anne. And um, I love podcasts and this one in particular. Um, so volunteer um, transportation programs are really essential to communities to allow older people in particular, people who... Um, cannot drive to be a part of the community, to be healthy, um, and to connect with their neighbors. It's a it's a really important to the to the health of any one community. Um, and it's exciting, I have to say, what's going on around the state. There's a lot of need, but there's some amazing things happening. Very nice. So Tell my listeners what the Transportation Equity for Healthy Aging project is. Well, it's um, it's an initiative that um, the Maine Council on Aging has been working on as part of their advocacy um, for uh, older Mainers to um, improve the transportation options for older people around the state. And um, let me see if I can actually look up the official goal to access healthcare and behavioral healthcare and to um, meet their social health needs. So that's the official goal. But it is, um, it's a big lofty goal, but it is one that is, I think, anyone who <clears throat> is uh, older themselves or who has friends, neighbors, relatives, it's definitely transportation is um, an essential part of our lives in Maine, for sure. Absolutely. So how did it all get started? Well, um, the I, this project, um, they applied for the um, Maine Health um, Access Fund Foundation funding, and um, it's a really great project. It's a two-year project that they received funding for. Um, I was fortunate enough that the timing of it uh, perfectly aligned with my retirement. (laughs) So it's part time. So that part's very nice. And um, this was really to look at the situation all around the state um, in different communities, what different communities um, have uh, for current programs and what could happen to both um, improve or replicate those programs or make um, other volunteer um, 
opportunities more available around the state. Excellent. So, yeah, it's it's a big it's a big thing. Um, so, <clears throat> as as the project manager, what I'm doing is um, I have multiple. Um, I have a little list here. I have a work plan. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice from the point of view of having been a director where you're kind of like doing everything and you have um, nobody wrote you a blueprint. Right. Um, <laughs> this is nice because it has been really um, educational for me. And, uh, and it's been so exciting to look at the, the picture across the whole state. It's really given me new perspective on um, on the whole issue. Um, so we're working with the Department of Transportation, um, with um, other towns all around the, the um, state, with, um, with uh, age-friendly communities, all different things to try to ascertain. First thing was to ascertain what already exists. And that has been surprising. Um, it gave me um, really, I knew of some of the programs that existed. So I thought, oh, I got this, this will be simple. But we ended up, um, I partnered with another group um, that was doing a similar inventory of programs um, through a grant through Maine Community Foundation. So we decided, well, let's do it together and do this invitation. In inventory together because it involved um, doing research, collecting inf the contact information, and then doing interviews to get, um, we, we figured out all the different information we wanted to find out about the programs. And um, we've, we've discovered over 38 programs so far. So pretty surprising, really. Some are teeny weeny. Some are um, with just a volunteer, maybe three people um, covering and helping, um, you know, residents in their town. Um, others who are uh, maybe connected with a hospital. There's a group um, in York County that is my favorite name uh, of any program. They're called the Grateful Undead. And um, they are connected with a hospital helping people to um, get to and from their medical appointments in their in their region. Um, so it has been really, really um, uplifting to talk to these different programs, people that are really, really committed to making things work, um, who put in a ton of time, who um, all the way from transit agencies to um, these small, um, pretty new uh, age-friendly um, groups that have formed a nonprofit in some cases to address the transportation in their in their community or sometimes their county, but usually it's a it's a town or a few towns. Um, so it's been really really interesting. That is so neat, and honestly, transportation is something that we can easily forget about the need for because so many of us, especially in rural areas are just used to hopping in our cars and going where we need to go. Right. And 
we don't always think about what happens when you get older and you don't have that option to safely hop in your car and go to an appointment at the same time that you probably have more appointments than you've ever had in your life. Um, and two, just the social aspect, um, being able to go get groceries when you need them or get your hair done. Um, all of those things are so important to being age friendly. And really all of these community events and things that happen, they're enriched when you have a span of ages available. So if our older people have to stay home from all of these community things going on, we're all missing out because we're not getting that span, that range of, range of ages, the enrichment. We're missing out on all of that. Um, so the work that you're doing is so important. Now, what is the ultimate goal of the project? Well, ultimately, the fancy goal is to increase the, um, the availability of transportation services for older Mainers. I mean, it's a lofty goal. And I think that it there will be options to do that. It, As I say, we started with this inventory of, of programs, and then the next objective is really to promote those programs and support them, help them to network, and then to increase conversation and opportunity for partnering between programs, particularly between small volunteer programs and transit providers, that I do believe will lead to more transportation being available. What happens in a lot of, and it certainly happens in our area, um, one of the first things I came to understand was that many older people have a neighbor or a friend, um, someone who kind of keeps an eye on them, who takes them when they need to go. There are a lot of people doing that. And I'm hopeful that those, that understanding of how it can help someone so much, how gratifying that is, could build into more people being willing to become volunteer drivers. Um, and it might be that you could be a volunteer driver through a simple um, training that you could do through a um, one of the CAP agencies or through a local nonprofit. And then you could make yourself known to help someone who needs to go from your town to another town or where you commute to and from work um, through the system that we're that go Maine is developing that you could just look and trip plan and then you could be you could be a community volunteer trained volunteer who could help someone when you're able to help um, there are a lot of exciting things about this, a lot of potential, I think, to, in, to improve the situations all around the state. But I have to say that one of the most I have always been fascinated with, how diverse Maine really is, how different our communities are. And we live in our region, we think we know all about it, but it is amazing how different things develop from needs that are in their particular area and how some towns have a very strong tradition of collaborating with one another. 
And um, it builds, um, it strengthens those communities. And a lot of times people are much more willing to volunteer when they feel that they can really truly both do that safely and be a part of their community. So I've been just, I've been so amazed by some of these things I've been learning. I also have been gratified that having run Friends in Action for a long time, and I always, I mean, I learned a lot from, you know, technical support from other programs. I always would, anybody who knew anything, I would definitely listen to them. Um, but that I actually feel like, I guess I can now look at Friends in Action is probably one of the larger programs that there is around the state. And I never realized that. I never saw that. So that was kind of, that was, that was uh, surprising to me. And that I also have learned a lot in doing that myself. So that doesn't surprise me at all, having worked with you, um, <laughs> because the program that you built, um, it, it's amazing. And when I look at that infrastructure that goes into building a transportation program like yours. And I don't think a lot of people, again, we don't have reason to think of what goes on behind the scenes. So when it comes to Friends in Action or a, that size transportation agency, I might just think of calling them and saying, I have a patient who needs a ride to Bangor on this date. What I don't think about is the fact that you have purchased and populated a database so that you can track that particular patient's needs, the length of the ride, the duration of the ride, any special comments um, for future rides, all of that has to be captured. I mean, that's the way you get grant money. That's the way you make a compelling story for your donors. That's the way um, you track people's workloads to know if you need to hire new staff because all of a sudden somebody's booking 30 rides a day and that's just amazing. Um, so all of that has to be set up. You also have to buy insurance policies. And it's it's all of that behind the scenes thing and trying to think of recreating that in every single community, every single instance of transportation, it makes a strong case for what you're talking about, which is a collaboration, a exactly. sharing of resources and building this infrastructure. So we're not recreating the, re the wheel in every single community. Yeah, exactly. Because that is, first of all, it takes a huge commitment. I, I've been, it, what I always love is when I get the opportunity to help someone who's really interested in starting a program or who there is a man I've been talking to who is just starting. He's, he's, they're part of an age-friendly effort, but they're starting a transportation program. And there are elements that are, that are really important. I was thinking about the thing of, of um, commitment. And yeah, a lot of people who, it depends on what the program's goals are, how, what kinds of transportation they're providing, numbers of people they're going to be providing it for. You don't have to live that 24 hours a day, but you do have to commit to it. It's something that transportation is something that has to happen when it has to happen and, and uh, you have to pay attention to it. Um, so that is daunting for, for organizations or towns even that are concerned about their older population. 
So we're really looking at, okay, what are some ways that you could make more transportation available in an area that without having to start a whole program? What are there, what are there ways that you could tap into existing um, availability and, and um, just the knowledge of, um, there are community volunteers that need to be managed, but you don't necessarily have to create a friends in action in every county. Um, so utilizing um, the resources of municipalities that are really concerned about their residents and concerned people that really want to make improve the life of their town. It's one of the most motivating ways that um, volunteers can be recruited is to improve um, their own community. There's the service to service to place is um, a major um, a major motivator for a volunteer, just trying to make their own town better. But then to provide the resources and the support and the um, things like uh, training and um, insurance and that kind of thing, just to keep everyone safe. Um, background checks are usually a thing yes. that be different. Um, organization. When we first started, we could we couldn't afford them, but I did work out a deal with the with the Ellsworth Police and the Sheriff's Department, so that I didn't have to pay for background checks. But there are ways that we could make things like that more available. The Department of Transportation is really interested, and in part of their state transit plan is really trying to promote volunteer transportation. So it's an exciting time. It's frustrating too, because there are huge areas of the state that it's it's just nothing there, you know, in terms of, you know, if you're someone who's had a stroke and you can no longer drive and it's it's difficult to get and wait hours somewhere if for the transportation to come back and get you, you know, having that one-on-one -on -one help can make all the difference. And there's, there's nothing out there. So that can be really frustrating to, to realize, but there's a lot of people that are excited about the whole idea and volunteer transportation. I have to say when I started in the early two thousands working with volunteer transportation and was saying we were going to start this program, people had no idea what I was talking about. And now they do. I mean, right, there's, right. it's, it's part of a, a more general conversation now that it wasn't 20 years ago. So I think that's exciting. Well, and I, you coined this phrase and I've quoted you a million times. Um, but you always used to say to me, it's more than a ride. And I, that's truly what it is. Like we are, right. we say transportation because that describes it the best. But on a deeper level, it's community connection. It's trust. It's the opposite of isolation. There is so much encompassed in that transportation. It's more than just my set of wheels getting you from point A to point B. And I truly feel I have never done a ride 
where I felt like I gave more than I got. I have I have really enjoyed getting to know people, to hear their stories. At times, um, we've been able to connect that they need other resources and, and connect them with those resources. It always makes me feel so good at the core and like I'm fulfilling my purpose as a community member to do those rides. You just, you're giving, but you're getting so much back. And And I always feel like, the people that I give the rides to, they're not necessarily people that I would have met outside of that interaction. Um, I probably wouldn't have come into contact with them. And some of them have become lifelong friends. Um, and so that's such a gift that you get um, just by putting yourself out there and and doing something that we do every day, which is drive from point A to point B. It's like most of right. us, most of us do that all the time. And that connection, too, is something that I think um, health clinics and um, social workers, other people concerned with sort of the totality of someone's health could need to take more advantage of those volunteers who are at that intersection and what volunteers observe and get to know about someone and have some, I mean, it's something that I'm hopeful that we can better um, communicate with healthcare providers, not in a, I mean, there must be a way to, because I think it's a huge resource to have that community um, of volunteers who are interacting with people that healthcare providers may not have the opportunity to, or, know, or to even know the whole picture. Um, I saw that so many times and there was no way to communicate it to, um, to the healthcare provider. So we have, a, we have an advisory committee for this, for this project and it includes um, some healthcare people. Um, I'm hopeful that this will, you know, also improve our transportation options for people because it is more than just making an appointment. It is really, it's much more than that. So, well, and I go back to one of the friends in action rides that I gave, um, and I will de-identify this to the absolute extent possible, but um, I brought this patient to an appointment at the medical center and they had had some issues with movement. They had hurt one of their limbs. And um, during that visit, the provider began to think that they were in congestive heart failure. And so that required an additional ride that afternoon from the medical center in Stonington to Blue Hill Hospital so they could get the imaging that they needed to confirm that. But so I'm, I'm driving with the patient. We're not sure where the congestive heart failure came um, because we just, I brought her to the appointment because she had hurt one of her limbs. But as we're talking, she tells me that her partner is um, can't wait until she's back and up and, and going again because um, he really enjoys her cooking. And all she's been able to do is heat up TV dinners. Okay. Well, yep. See, that's so, the kind of information. Yep. Yes. Yep. So we're talking yep. three meals a day at a level of sodium that they have mm. probably not experienced in their life. And <laughs> I began to think, oh, I think I know where this is coming from. And so anyway, we were able to make that connection with the provider. Um, 
able to get set up with some other resources, food wise and that sort of thing. Um, but that was a mystery that I don't know if it would have been solved without the time that we spent in the car just talking. That's all we were doing. We were just talking as two individuals um, on our way to Blue Hill. And so right. it it really adds so much more value that you can't even really quantify in terms of just spending time in, in conversation. So conversation. Much it's so true. It's so true. Another thing that I've seen, and COVID has done such a number on volunteer programs of all sizes across the state, um, really reducing the number of volunteers. Many have rebuilt, many rebounded, but some are way haven't recovered. Um, and what happened during COVID was that people kind of hid at home. Yep. And, you know, we would see sometimes some health things coming up just when we were delivering groceries to people that I we knew that the health care provider had no idea, you know, because people were not leaving. They wouldn't go out. They right. were, you know, hopefully that is changing somewhat. And I think now the push to do more telehealth is a huge, huge benefit um, so that people can, you know, healthcare can maybe have more eyes than they did on some of these situations. But the volunteer driver is someone who can be part of this conversation too. So, because, you know, they can help that individual feel more comfortable about getting into the appointment and, and following up and making sure that they go to their PT and reassuring them that they will have a ride. So it's, it's a really significant um, part of, the health of our communities come back to where we started. It's yes. just, uh, um, and of course I was hooked on being part of this project when it was talking about just increasing the awareness of volunteer programs and, and, and the support for volunteer programs. I mean, that was, yeah, I'm like, I'm in, I get, I've got to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. We love that so, word volunteer. Well, and the, and the programs too are so interesting. And I know what it's like to be in the trenches and not have time to think straight some days. So having any kind of support is um, is just is huge. Um, so it, it's an exciting, it's a really exciting project. So there's life after being an executive director. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I also love that you still have this ability to cover all of my questions in just your regular your regular conversation. <laughs> um, so I am going to ask, though, how do people like my listeners support the work that you're doing right now? You know, the really the best way. I mean, obviously, you can go to the Maine Council on Aging website, and it's a fantastic resource. I highly recommend that the number of different things Maine Council on Aging is working on is um, pretty, pretty cool. I've been just super excited to be part of it. But also become a volunteer. Do it, you know, if you can drive, then it's not, you know, it's not uh, that hard to sometimes, uh, you know, give a ride. It's really not. And um, or look around your community and see who it is that needs that kind of. So there's somebody in your in your community that is probably working to solve this problem, and see how you could help support that. So that would be what I would recommend. I love that. So everyone, this is your challenge. 
find <laughs> some way to volunteer. Um, and if you are interested in volunteer transportation, I would encourage you to reach out to me um, directly. I do serve, in addition to being executive director, I also serve as the island transportation liaison, um, meaning that I can connect, help to connect people with ride sources, but also at the same time, I can connect people with volunteer opportunities. And there Wonderful. are a, a number of different ones. And, and it, Friends in Action is definitely an option. Last, um, The last podcast that we put out was with Angel Flight, calling for pilots um, who might be able to provide medical transportation. Um, so that it's an array of options. Um, Beth C. Wright Cancer Center arranges through American Cancer um, Society rides for people with a cancer diagnosis. There's a whole bunch of ways to get involved. Um, so please reach out to me. I'd love to sit down and have coffee and maybe talk about how you can use your driving skills, your people skills, your community skills to make someone's life better or, or many people's life better. So Joe, I love talking to you. Um, I do need to end the podcast with our usual podcast question, which is, what is bringing you joy right now? Oh, I am. I am just so, you know, I promised uh, myself that I would try to not, you know, not die at my desk at Friends in Action and I would retire, so-called in quotes. And um, what's exciting, what's bringing me joy right now is just to realize how much I can learn, how many different things there are out there. It's so much fun. I just love it. I'm um, doing a, uh, I've kept honeybees in my, my past and I'm going to try to do that again. Um, I just am learning all kinds of new things. So, and certainly this project has given me a fantastic opportunity to meet new people, which I love. Yeah. So um, being able to just spend more time and think a little more than I used to. <laughs> that may or may not be a good thing. Anne. I love that. And, and I just, I have to say, because it has to live forever on my podcast, um, that Joe was also recently involved in issuing the first unicorn license for the town of Lemoyne. Yes. And I have to say that has to bring you joy. It um, did. It to really, have that designation. Yes, I love I love doing things sort of with young people and the children in my town, um, teaching them about the history and about how a town works and being a select person or board board member um, gives me a great opportunity to do that. And this was fun. That was definitely fun. <laughs> I love that. Well, I had to say it on the podcast so it will live forever. But Joe, <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. And I know we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Anne, for doing this.